Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Reflections from the Heart. My name is Tom Fertle with Stewardship and Mission of Faith, and I'm joined today for our special edition of the radio show by a very special guest, Mr. Devin Schott. Devin Schott is the executive director of the Fathers of St. Joseph, one of the ministries in our family of ministries here at Stewardship and Mission of Faith. Welcome to the program, Devin. Thanks for having me on, Tom. Absolutely. We're delighted to have you here. So we're going to delve into the Fathers of St. Joseph, but before we do, let's have a moment of prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly amen. Father, we just thank you for the gift of the family. We thank you for the gift of men. We thank you for the gift of fathers, the gift of husbands the gift of our spouses. And Lord, as we delve in today, as we seek to further understand the role of the Father and the salvation, the role of the Father, the role of the man and the husband in the church, in daily life, Lord, we ask for your anointing, for your blessing upon men throughout our land as they strive to emulate your love, as they strive to emulate St. Joseph they strive to be the men you have called them to be. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So once again, Devin shot Fathers of St. Joseph. So Devin, we're going to get into different elements of the Fathers of St. Joseph throughout the program. But let's just start with that, you know, that, that 60 second or whatever, five minute <laughs> elevator speech, <laughs> elevator talk. Uh, give uh, us a basic overview. What is the Fathers of St. Joseph? So the Fathers of St. Joseph is an apostolate whose aim is at the restoration, redemption, and revitalization of fatherhood, hopefully in our time, by following in the footsteps of St. Joseph, his timeless wisdom, his ageist example, which consists of four pillars, embracing silence, embracing woman, embracing the child, embracing charitable authority. So that's it in a nutshell. That was a good nutshell. He threw a lot of... Go back to three R's. Let's, let's, let's okay. start there. Okay. So... Let's see if I can remember them. Uh, but yeah, we're, the aim is to revitalize, restore, and renew fatherhood. So we're really trying to, you know, I believe, this is just my belief, that information leads to inspiration. Inspiration, God willing, leads to transformation, and transformation can lead to congregation. And so our goal as a father of St. Joseph is to inform men, fathers, as to their unique call in God's plan their unique role in the plan of salvation. And what does that mean for them? They're called to greatness. And so to give them that plan, to reveal that to them, so that that information allows them to begin to be inspired, be inspired by God to live this call to greatness, and they eventually be transformed enough to bring their band of brothers together and do it together and to renew the church. How, how did you end up here? How did you okay. end up with a life's work of, re, of, of renewing uh, fatherhood? Tell yeah. us about that a little bit. So uh, our third child was born at 28 weeks premature, and um, she was in a neonatal intensive care unit for about a month. Um, she came home, 
and within five days she contracted RSV, which is a cold that attacks premature infants' lungs. And so by the time we whisked her back off to the hospital, we readmitted her to the reg regular pediatric unit. Um, they were not prepared in the regular pediatric unit to take care of a baby that small. They just had not didn't have a lot of experience. And so long story short, through nurse neglect, uh, 10 hours of apnea, by the time the medevac team had you know, helicopter out to the children's hospital two hours away. She suffered three clinical death experiences and permanent brain injury. And of course, we didn't know what we had, um, but it didn't look good. And so in the whole process of seeing my, my daughter on life support, trying to get through the madness of that, trying to determine what we really had here, what kind of situation it was, my wife was overwhelmed, basically had all but nervous breakdown and asked me to come home and be a husband and father. And and so I did. Reluctantly, we had three kids, including Anna Marie, who's on life support at the time. And, and at that time, I was starting my own graphic design business where I had dreams to do that. I was involved in ministry, so I was really not inside the home very much. And to be a husband and father, I just saw as a second-rate vocation or something that you had to do. It was just something that happened. It was born out of your marriage, and everything will take care of itself. And um, I was really struggling with it. I wanted to be out there on the front lines, St. Paul wielding the sword. I didn't want to be, you know, at home being domestic dad. And uh, so a friend of mine saw that I was languishing um, just in my walk with Christ and took me on a pilgrimage halfway around the world. And while we were there, one of our spiritual leaders, she carried on a conversation with me and she's like, so tell me a little bit about you. And I said, well, I got this desire to serve the Lord. And she says, well, are you married? Not because she wants to marry me, but because she, you know, I think she thought I was a candidate for the priesthood. And, and I said, yes, I'm married. She says, do you have children? I said, yeah, I've got three children. She said, well, go home and be St. Joseph. Wow. And it made sense. It was right, but it felt wrong in the sense that I did not want that. I mean, St. Joseph, what the images that came to my mind was the guy who's 150 years old, um, definitely not virile, uh, bald, uh, loves to carry lilies, you know, he's a flower guy, <laughs> sure. and maybe a tonsure, you know, a little bald spot. And I was just like, that That doesn't seem like the man I want to be. But in going home, consecrating myself to Our Lady or giving myself to the Blessed Mother and asking her uh, just to take over my life, it was amazing because she started introducing me to this man, St. Joseph. And I literally kind of buried myself in my vocation and the the seed, you know, dies to itself. And that's what I was doing. And I started learning from Joseph what it meant to be a husband, what it meant to be a father, what what this, that fatherhood really is a call to greatness, that it's necessary, that's vital, that's essential, not only for the family, but for the renewal of the church and the conversion of the world. And it set me ablaze with this new calling. And, and in fact, it it allowed me to also reconcile with the idea of being little, silent, hidden, these things that no men want, right? But I was finding peace in these things. And and then the last thing I wanted to do was to start an apostolate or go out and speak or anything like that. That, that wasn't on the radar anymore. I was finding fulfillment and satisfaction and peace in loving my wife as Christ loved the church, in raising my children to holiness or to love and joy, you know? So it was an amazing personal, that was just one step in my conversion process, but the conversion to fatherhood is what I call it. Awesome, man. What, what a story. It's just uh, an incredible, um, an incredible journey. And, um, you know, you said something in there. We said a lot of things in there, but one thing you said that really kind of struck me here, you said that fatherhood, fatherhood is important for the renewal of the church, which alone is an astounding statement, <laughs> and, and then the right. salvation of the world. Right, right. I, I, explain yeah. that. Yeah, okay. So um, basically, 
if we want to convert the world, and we know the world is in desperate need of conversion, the church must be renewed. And the church is in desperate need of renewal, as we've seen over the last sure, you know, sure. several years, right? But in order for the church to be renewed, and I think we kind of miss this, is that the micro church, the domestic church of the family that comprises the bigger universal church, the macro church, that church needs to be revitalized, okay? Restored. The family needs to be restored. In order for that to happen, marriage, the marriage of that family needs to be revitalized. But in order for that to happen, the man who is husband, father, and leader needs to become like St. Joseph, a father on earth like the father in heaven. He needs to learn how to set the pace of self-giving love. All men suffer, few men sacrifice. So, so what we're called to do, what we're called to do is really heroically, valiantly enter the battle of self-giving love. And by doing this, we can renew the domestic church or at least begin to restore it. The renewal of the church can take place at large, and then the conversion of the world eventually take place. Tall calling, I believe it can happen. It's amazing. I, I see this flow chatters are talking, man is to marriage, is the family, is to church, so goes the world. Yeah, I mean, that's right. really it. Exactly. And so you're starting with the, the men. And I think you've really hit on something because, you know, as men, like, we, we, we have that, you know, yeah, we want to fight battles, we want to slay the dragons, but the ones mm-hmm. that we pick out. Yeah, exactly. And what you're saying is, wait a minute, no, exactly. there, no. There's, there are dragons to slay, uh, but that might be, you know, dishes at home with your wife. I mean, mm-hmm. it could be that granular, but uh, let's get into some of the theology mm-hmm. wow. um, behind, mm-hmm. behind what you're saying. Um, uh, you wrote a book, uh, "Show Us the Father," and I, again, I was I was blown away because I saw that there was a, a forward there by Lou Holtz, uh, <laughs> a name familiar to many people there, legendary yeah. coach of Notre Dame. So yeah. uh, we'll save that that whole story for another day. I'm sure that's <laughs> interesting. But tell us about the book, "Show Us the Father." Yeah, so "Show Us the Father: uh, Seven Secrets to Become a Father on Earth Like the Father in Heaven" was actually written in a week, believe it or not, wow. and. Um, I had what happened was after I had started to pray and discern who St. Joseph was, it was like I was on download. And I felt like God was just pouring into my soul all these insights on fatherhood. And I wrote Joseph's Way, The Call to Fatherly Greatness, which is four volumes of comparing Joseph to the patriarchs and finding the mm-hmm. lessons in there and all that. Well, that was for me. I never thought it would be published or anything until someone sent a manuscript I shared with them to a publisher without me even knowing it. The publisher contacted me and says, we want to publish your book. And I stupidly said, no. And then they said, look, <laughs> look, we want to do this. And so it happened. Tremendous. Yeah. But I found that Joseph's way was, you know, to be published, it was too pedantic. It was too deep, um, at least in my opinion, for the common guy. So Show Us the Father was a way to try to sizzle it all down and break it all down in a popular style way with stories, anecdotes, simple lessons as to the seven secrets to become a father on earth like the Father in heaven. Basically, the book is founded upon the basic principle of St. Joseph's four pillars that, that constituted his life, what made him a real man, a real father, a father of glory and greatness. And really, it begins, though, with location, and then it And from that location, we live our vocation, okay? So what I mean by this is that the first words that God, or the first time God asks man a question in salvation history is after Adam has fallen from grace. And the question is, where are you? Where are you, sure? And we think, God, what's wrong with you? You know where he is, (laughs) right? You're God. He's hiding behind that bush. Well, God isn't interested in Adam's geographical location. He's interested in his spiritual location. And so we derive from this the answer that every man has a spiritual location in God's plan in this battle. And so this is the location. Adam was created outside of the garden. Most of us don't realize that. He was created in the uncharted, undiscovered, unknown wilderness. And then God takes him and places him in the garden 
which is paradise, but it's also in the Hebrew literature, a symbol of woman or the garden or the domestic life, mm. the safe, loving domestic life. So he places him in that garden and he tells him to till and keep it, to protect it, to provide for it. So Adam's call and our call, our position in God's plan is to stand on the horizon between the external hostile, uncharted, undiscovered, unknown world to mine those resources, to hunt them down, gather them, and then to bring them into that domestic setting of paradise. <laughs> well, at least maybe not my family, but maybe yours, <laughs> right, right? right? And to stand on the horizon and keep Satan out because we know this. This is the key. Say, Jesus says that if you want to buy, uh, plunder the strong man's house, you've got to bind the strong man, and then you can have his goods. Well, Jesus was talking about Satan and his ownership of the temple in Jerusalem at that time. He had to be bound. But the human father is also the strong man of the family. And Satan knows that if he can bind that strong man, paralyze him, distract him, whatever it is, then he can have his way with a woman and a child and can disintegrate society as a whole because he disintegrates family. So this, a lot of the assault that we see on manhood, on on marriage, um, you know, you're saying that this this is a spiritual battle. Oh, absolutely. And I, I remember one one of your, I think it was a podcast I listened to, and and you you go through this just not just fascinating, but but um, almost scary timeline where mm -hmm. you go back to uh, the locutions of of, of Leo the Thirteenth. Mm -hmm. Can you walk us through that, which yeah, really spells absolutely. out how this is this is we knew this was going to happen. Yeah, Sister Lucia said that the last confrontation between God and the devil will be over marriage in the family. These two social institutions are at the heart of the battle. Satan's eyes are fixed on the family and marriage because they are the two social institutions that launch us into God. They're, they're created by God to reflect and reveal and relive his identity. God is an exchange of persons, uh, a relationship of love. So he creates two distinct persons, man and woman. They come together in union. They have a third. Family is an icon of the Trinity. The family is meant to be a perpetual reminder of our identity in God and our destiny, eternal salvation in that eternal exchange of love. Well, Satan knows this. So his, his whole goal is to malign and redefine and undermine the sacramental sign of marriage and the family because in that way it won't be a reminder of, of God any longer. Mm. And that's what's happening in our society. But in 1884, Pope Leo XIII had a locution after mass where it looked like he was dying. He passed out. And in that locution, he heard Satan ask for 100 more years and more power and can destroy the church. And you look at that, that locution happened in 1884, October 13th. 33 years to the day, exactly. October 13th, 1917, Our Lady of Fatima appears, right, right. the last apparition. And in the third apparition, she said, Joseph is coming, Joseph is coming. And I say, we gotta ask ourselves, hey, our Lady, that's great, but what's the big deal? You're here. <laughs> right, you're, right. I mean, you're a lot better than St. <laughs> Joseph. Because she's saying something important is going to happen. The secret weapon is coming, and wow. I'm going to show you. And so at that moment, when 70,000 pilgrims are in the Cova de Iria amidst torrential rains, soaked to the bones, uh, mud everywhere, the sun onlookers see the sun begin to spin and right. dart and, and zigzag and then descend upon them and crash upon them. And people are literally confessing their sins aloud. I mean, how'd you like to survive that one? Right, right, right. <laughs> but they're confessing their sins aloud because they're so scared. And that sun, just at that moment where it looks like it's going to descend upon the people, the Sister Lucia sees Joseph and Jesus simultaneously, the child Jesus, blessing the world, and then the sun returns to its spot in the sky. The point is, is that if we're to avoid nuclear disaster or catastrophe, 
we've got to turn to Joseph in his timeless wisdom as ageless example, because at the end of that, Mary is now with Joseph and Jesus as the Holy Family. Right. So Our Lady is saying, what's the secret to renewing and restoring the family? It's when fathers turn their hearts toward their children, and children will not only turn their hearts toward their earthly father, but because they have the trust and the filial love, that love of the father, their human father, they will turn in trust and faith to their heavenly father. And the renewal of the world will begin to take place that way. This is the key to everything. This is a secret weapon of our times. Saint or Blessed Isidore of Isolana said that the victory bell will sound in the church when the faithful recognize the sanctity of St. Joseph. How will they recognize the sanctity of St. Joseph? When you and I embody his timeless wisdom and his ageless example. And that's why the Father of St. Joseph exists, shows the Father exists, and other things exist to point us to this ageless, timeless wisdom, this ageless example of St. Joseph. So we can walk in his footsteps and become a father on earth like the Father in heaven like he was and is. That's that's unbelievable and, and, uh, and just eye-opening uh, on, on so many levels. And, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. You, you, you mentioned um, when you're talking about, you know, men, talking about fathers, you're not talking about necessarily, you know, uh, just the people who are not church. I know many times initiatives will talk about, you know, the other people, the, mm. the, the but, uh, and they say, don't, don't preach to the choir. Like, mm. it's not for the choir, it's for the other people. Mm. But you're saying something different. You're yeah. saying preach to the choir. This absolutely. is for the guy who's in the pew right now, as well as the one who's not. This is for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. In business, there's a principle, your best new business is your old clients or your current clients, right? And I think that in the church, right now, we have got a lot of guys who are sitting in the pews, even our core guys are sitting in the pews, and they don't understand what it really means right. to be a man. They don't understand God's vision for their life, His mission, His plan. And so I think it's time that we preach to the choir, not preach. We, we, we actually love on the choir. We mm. actually lead them to the truth of what it really means to be a man, what it really means to be a father in God's image. And, and so the key here is, is we've got to preach to the choir or we've got to reach out to the choir because the choir is in need of conversion. And if we get that choir to begin to sing these truths, then the guys who are twice a month mass goers, they might catch on and then their friends will catch on. And that's how wildfires start. And so we've got to begin with what's the kindling that's going to, you know, start the fastest. And I think that's with our choir. Wow. That's, and, and, you know, you said it, you said in the, you said in there are the words, you know, to lead them and which made me think, of course, you know, so one of the, 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 the signature initiatives, um, uh, with the father of St. Joseph is actually called lead. Right. So why don't you, why don't you tell us about lead? So, what is lead and how, yeah. do, how do I get there? And what does yeah. it do for me as a, as a dad, as a man? Yeah. So lead is a sy synthesis of like, Oh man, 15 years of trial, error, you know, teaching, learning, uh, everything about St. Joseph and fatherhood, we've synthesized in, in the system that we call LEAD, which is an acronym. It's L-E-A-D, which is of the four pillars, listen to discern your mission. E is embrace your essence, which is all about how to live with, in, in a relationship with women or to learn how to defeat lust in the heart. A, assume your authority, and D, discover the disciple in your child. So embracing your child. And so LEAD is... A system that is uh, a way to take us from manhood to fatherhood, because I believe that the pinnacle of manhood is spiritual fatherhood. You know, masculinity finds its fulfillment in spiritual paternity to give life to others, and so lead is this comprehensive system that can take an individual or a small group setting of guys and allow them access to this spirituality, spirituality for men, and be able to live this in an ongoing manner for the rest of their lives. You know, a program is one and done, you know? This is not a program. This is a spirituality. This is a way of life that can, if you start to live it, it will change you. 
That's powerful. I mean, like, and I love that. And not not a program because lots of programs out there, and, and there's some value, but a, a way of life. So you're you're talking about conversion. You're talking about reversion. You're talking about transformation. Yeah. Walk us through um, the, the 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 those four elements. Lead again. Walk okay, us through yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Sure. So L is um, listen to discern your mission. So the idea here is is we've got to embrace the silence, and we embrace silence in three ways: silence in ourselves. So we actually begin to live a life where we're the TV's going off, the radio, we're, and we're entering into it. And that's where all the battle is. We're wrestling with God, yes, against ourselves. God is our partner wrestling, like Jacob was wrestling with God against <laughs> right, himself. Right. When we enter the silence, the memories, the, the distortions, the disorders, all that comes to the surface. So we've got to enter the silence in order to hear the voice of God, to know his mission, his, his vision, his plan for our lives. But then we've got to have silence before men. We don't live for the respect of men. Respect of men is shifting sand upon... Uh, which no man should build his house, right? Um, so we got to have silence before men and then silence before God, which is when we offer ourselves in sacrifice to God without on one hand boasting or on the other hand complaining. We give that to God and let him transform our dirty, murky water into divine wine, you know? And that's the key. We have, all, all people have sufferings, but few men sacrifice. We can't convert bread into um, the body of blood of Jesus Christ. We can't convert anything except you and I can convert our sufferings into sacrifice. That's the one thing we can do. And when we do that, then God can convert it into grace for others. And so we do that secretly. So that's L. E is embrace your essence. So it's all about how to embrace women. First, by learning to embrace all women on the whole, by learning to not objectify them, but to hold their dignity and to learn to become a real man. See, the boy is, he's restrained in lust. The real man, he learns how to love sacrificially without objectifying woman. So embracing all women in the sense of entering the battle to defeat lust, entering the garden as Jesus did and donating the seed, if you will, of self-sacrifice. Um, then the second aspect is to remain yoked to our wives and bear their burdens as our own, which is a tall wow, order. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot on there on that. <laughs> and then and then the third component of that is to embrace the woman, Mary, which is really the key to all of it, you know? And then A, um, assume your authority. We need to be the bishops of our home, as St. Augustine says. And we need to practice our charitable authority. If no one's lead if I am not I, I lead by loving and I love by leading. If I am not leading, no one is following. And in fact, if I don't lead my family from evil, evil will lead my family. And so I have to figure out what that means. And basically, there are three components to being a man of charitable authority, and that is to protect and to provide and to teach. And that's on the human, natural level, but especially on the spiritual level. And so this is a great call to protect, to provide, teach, both spiritually and practically, temporally, and we get into all that. And then D, discover the disciple. This is this is like the really, uh, the heart of the matter when we've got to become the face and the voice and the touch of the Father that our children cannot see, they cannot feel, they cannot hear. And this is what's missing in our culture right now. Got dads that go to their kids' basketball games and things like that. But our kids want us to stop, look, and listen, and deliberately choose them, deliberately chase after them, spend time with them, let them know that they are so important to us. And the way we do that, we become the face of the Father that our children cannot see. We become the touch of the Father that our children cannot feel. We become the voice of the Father that our children cannot hear. And by doing this, our children will come to know the Heavenly Father through us. And this is at the heart of the renewal of the world. I believe it. 
Amen. Man, I can I can leave it right there. But there's so much. There's so much more to uh, to, to to get into. Um, but but what it's it's daunting. And and you know when you hear it all packaged uh, to, together, what you're saying, it, it could be scary. And yet. It makes perfect sense, yeah. and it's so beautiful. And 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 the and the language, you know, it, I think it, you know, you're, you're touching on those those primal manly things, but man, you're taking it to a whole better, deeper level, you know, spiritual manhood. And and that idea that that our children learn the love of God through us. I mean, those are, those are some tall orders. But you walk with the man, don't you? You yeah, guide absolutely. us through this. I mean, yeah. I looked and on the website, so uh, you know, it's it's www.fathersofsaintjoseph, um, you know, dot org. It's just it's unbelievable. The podcast, the interviews, the resources that are there um, that will help men. And I really feel like you know, like you said, it's a way of life. And 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 you know, you walk with them. And the material, you know, it, it's real. It, it guides men through making t- uh, decisions and making choices and growing in their spirituality. So it's challenging, and yet it's uplifting and it's encouraging. Yeah, there's no um, condemnation in Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, exactly. Couldn't have said it better. So go to the website. Um, also on there, um, you'll find all the information on LEAD, um, and there's ways to, to, to access to those programs. You have podcasts, but there's, there's also a full array of videos as well, like the LEAD program itself. Talk about yeah, the videos. Yeah, quickly. so Briefly, I should say. Yeah, yeah, very briefly. LEAD is 40 Days of Fatherly Greatness, which is comprised of videos, um, beautiful session support graphics, diagrams, key quotes that'll take an individual through his journey, 40 days macro view of what it means to be a father of greatness. And then you graduate into the daily devotional, which is comprised of over 190 succinct, hard-hitting, easy-to-understand, accessible, attainable uh, daily reflections that begin to graft you into this daily spirituality. And then if you like that, if you're, if you're motivated, then you get your band of brothers and have them do the five-part retreat. And then from the five-part retreat, you use that daily devotional except in a weekly format as the substance for your prayer meeting. And then you go at it. You begin to live this as a group, as a band of brothers, band of fathers. Which goes back to that, thi- uh, it, that it's a, it's a way of life and, yeah. and not a program. So one does not have to involve others, but of course, that's a natural thing that happens with men who use it, because then, you, like you said, that band of brothers, that's a great image. There's some accountability, there's support there. Mm, Is that yeah, what you find? A- absolutely. And that's absolutely necessary. Awesome. So once again, um, Devin, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. The fathers of St. Joseph, men out there, and women as well, right? <laughs> you know how men are. You can go to the website, right? You can sign them up, send them an email, put the information in front of them. You know, uh, uh, honey, take out the garbage, uh, you know, and don't forget to sign up for a uh, lead. You know, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, you, you can uh, use whatever means uh, possible there. But please, men, uh, I encourage you uh, to, to check it out, to investigate Fathers of St. Joseph. Incredible life-changing information and material. God bless you, Devin, for being here. God bless the ministry. And we hope to have you back again sometime soon. All right. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, listeners. And we'll see you next time on Reflections from the Heart. God bless. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 
Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.